Some of you already in anticipating this weekend have possibly been borderline emotional, if not already there. If you've had a father who has sacrificed for you, who has loved you, who has taught you God's word, who's brought you to church where you can be around other people who love Jesus, who worked, who worked hard. In many cases, medical things came up later in his life that were simply indications. I guess we could say years later of what he sacrificed for you, for the family. Evidence of his diligence. Maybe your father was a man who loved Jesus, but he's not, he's not here. He's, he's with Jesus today. Many times when we come to Father's Day and Mother's Day, it can be a very, very difficult time. Kind of like Christmas, is it not? You have little kids around, it makes Christmas fun. Because they're so excited about it. But we remember people that would be there if they would still be alive. Listen, for so many of you, this can be a day to where you just, after you go home and after you eat and after you have family time, you get by yourself and you just get down on your knees and say, thank you, God, for giving me the father that you gave me. If you don't have a perfect father, then guess what? Join the club. Nobody has a perfect father. And we look at videos like this that exalt, that, that honor a father. Remember the note? And the guy was in the meeting. He's looking at his watch just to, to provide for your family. But then also he's leaving work. He's leaving work behind. And he's going to his kid's ball game. And also to provide for your family. Because a good father understands that provision is not simply financial. But then there's, there's the other side of the spectrum that for some of us, we, we look at a video like that, we think about Father's Day, and we smile and we clap and we, we see the Hallmark cards that deck out in Walmart about Father's Day and how thankful I am for my father. But there's an increasing number of people, the younger you go, the greater it gets, who don't even know who their dad is. They've never met the man. And even more so, there's a lot of students today, younger, the younger you go, the more intense it gets to where they may know their dad's name, but they don't know him. He's not involved in their life. And even if he is, let's go a little bit deeper. He's there, but church, he's what? He's not really there. And we have in America today, something we could call practical orphans. You have your worship guide there, your, your reading guide. We put the definition of an orphan in there. Read it with me. It, it, an orphan is a child whose parents are both dead or, notice, or who has been abandoned by his or her parents, especially a child not adopted by another family. Do you realize that practically speaking, it is very easy to fall into the category of being a, a practical orphan today in the terms of fatherhood. And I want to give you some encouragement today. I want to encourage our men. Let me say this. I'm so encouraged by what God is doing in Rocky Mount Baptist Church. We talked last week about how churches all across the nations, uh, nation people are saying, man, we can't get guys plugged in. We can't get guys to do. We can't get men to lead. But here God is raising up a group of men. Of men. Ladies, y'all be like, amen, amen, right? That's your, that's your cue. It's good. It's awesome that God is, God is raising up men. Not just men who get together. And we actually did a church event last month. If you're with us, we did a, a church event and it was called the men's skeet shoot. 
guns and church. And it ended like World War III. Because in Franklin County, you come to a skeet shoot, you bring your shotgun, but you got 50 other guns in your car, right? And uh, we, we do that to reach out to many. And if you could pray for us, we need wisdom on how to reach more men in better ways. Way to get men connected with one another so we have mentoring relationships to where it's not just even you show up at church, you say, I know that guy, but you do life together and you're blood brothers for Jesus Christ. I praise God for you men. God is raising up. And one of the things that he can use us for in an amazing way here in Franklin County is there are many men, men who already have their own children, who have never seen, and they can't imagine what does it mean to be a godly man. Like even men that God's got a hold of, you guys are coming here, you're hearing the word of God, you're you're, you're tracking, you're trying to dig into God's word. You're like, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be, I want to... To go to the title of today's message, I want to beat the cycle of absent fatherhood. I want that to be done with. I want to start things over. I want my family to be different. I want to be a different dad to my family than my dad was to ours. I don't want to, I don't want my kid to have to go through what I went through in terms of dad not being there. But here's the thing. Some of you guys have never seen what that looks like. You search the word of God, you say, but Jeff, what does it mean? How can I break that cycle? Or even the cycle of providing financially for my family, but we don't pray, we don't study God's word. I want to know how to be a leader. Well, guys, it begins with a heart change, amen? I can give up here, get up here, and we can give 50 different ways to be a godly father. But guys, if we don't come to that place where we're ready to serve God, none of it will do any good. So there's that. There's also the issue of... uh Guys, can we be real for just a minute? There's also the issue in a lot of churches to where when you go there on Mother's Day, the sermon's like, 15 reasons why your mama has never sinned and she is like God part two, right? You know? And like all the ladies leaving and and guys are like, you know, it's awesome. I love my mom. I love my wife. But I don't know who he's talking about. This. Not saying anything, honey. Yeah, we'll take a number four. Yeah, sweet tea. And you try, right? Like, you go there and Mother's Day and like, women, yes, you know, perfect. Women never sin. And then, guys, you know what happens, right? A lot of churches, it comes to Father's Day and you come in and you're like, all right, do I need to bring like my chest protector, my helmet? Because it's like, welcome to church, Father's Day. Bam, kick in the face. And we've got it all wrong. Listen, ladies, you're sinners. Y'all all right? No dude moved in here on that one. They didn't move. And men are sinners. We all are sinners. So what we want to do today is look at what God's word says about orphans. And we're going to apply that here to our culture. We're going to see what God's word says to make the bridge to what that, what does that look like in our life, our culture. We're going to look at some statistics from our culture, but then when we get to the application part at the end of this message, we're going to look at some ways to beat the cycle of absent fatherhood. And guys, some of y'all know this, the most important person in terms of a spiritual influence in your children, it's you. It's not me. Whether they think I'm, whether your kids think I'm cool or crazy or weird or whether they like the music or whatever church is a byproduct of your spiritual leadership in the home so guys let's just ask the lord to encourage us and help us not to fear because sometimes men when it comes to something new we fear because we don't know how 
to do it and we don't want to fail. Listen, encouragement. God is raising up godly men all throughout this fellowship. And if you are ready to be a man after God's own heart, come, get plugged in. There are men who will come alongside you and help fight the things that we deal with. Here's the main idea. God has a beautiful and a special plan for practical orphans. And here it is. God will step in where your father has checked out. Y'all all right? Where fathers have checked out and left and been absent, God will come and fulfill that role. Let me give you some statistics here in our culture of absent fatherhood statistics. We know that from the U.S. Department of, of Health and the census, 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. That's five times the average. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 85% of all children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. There's one writer who said the absence of a mature father-child connection creates a void in the soul. Check this out. A residual father hunger. And there are so many of us, men and women in this culture, who desperately want to see what does it look like to have a relationship with a father. There was a survey done in the UK last year, and it was what you wanted for Christmas. And do you know what number 10 was? A father. Kids are asking, what is it like to have a father? Go with me to John chapter 14 in your Bibles. And this is Jesus. He's speaking of the Holy Spirit who will come after him to indwell his disciples after he ascends to heaven. Go with me to verse number 15 in chapter 14. This is Jesus. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Everybody okay? That is, that is beyond straight up. Jesus is like, if you love me, you obey me. The flip side to that is, if you don't obey me, you don't what, church? You don't love me. And here's the thing. When we read and we look at these difficult texts, Jesus loves us enough to be straight up with us. Jesus doesn't speak or write in fine print. Jesus gives us the truth. So first, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. In other words, what Jesus is saying is that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when you get saved, it's something that the world doesn't understand. It's something that they don't get. It's something that doesn't make sense to them. But he says, but because you've been washed clean, you receive God. You receive the Spirit of God. Verse 18. I will not. This is awesome. Mark it. I will not leave you as what? Orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Here's the thing, the beautiful thing. If you have grown up, let's take a time out right here. If you've grown up with a physically absent or emotionally absent father, you have confirmation from the Word of God that if you give your life to Jesus Christ, He will step in where your dad is checked out. He will be there and He says, if I am in you and you are in me and I am the Father, it means that God will never leave you and never forsake you. 
He will be a guide to you. And not only that, he'll guide you to other people who can be there with you. Y'all all right today? That's good news. In verse 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest or show, reveal myself to him. Jesus is saying, I will not leave you as orphans. Big question. How many of you have ever, inadvertently, it's not your parents' fault necessarily, mom thought you were with dad, dad thought you were with mom. How many of you have ever been left somewhere? Can I see your hand? Y'all must have had some great parents. There's like six people here. And if those of you six who were left, you remember the feeling, right? Like you're looking for mom and when you were a little kid, if you ever did had this happen, you're in the store and you think it's mom, you think it's dad and you go up and you kind of tap mom and dad on the waist and the person turns around, it's not mom or dad. And to look and say, where's mom? Where's dad? And they're nowhere to be found. And you start freaking out because as a child, your security is in your parents. You know mom and dad have it all together. And then when you get to be a teenager, they don't have anything together. And then when you get to be in your 20s and 30s, you say they have a little bit more together. And then by the older you get, you say they had a lot more together than I ever gave them credit for. He says, I will not leave you. What can happen in our culture, and we see this evidence of this all over the place, we're going to apply this to our culture, is, is often when there is an absent father role in the home, what happens to young girls is there can either be, if dad is not there, she doesn't have the self-confidence, if dad does not talk to her about what the Bible says, how to be a godly woman, that in Christ she is has value, that she doesn't have to attract guys by dressing in an inappropriate way, and dad is there, uh, almost in a Cy Robertson role, if she says, well, what about this? And it's something that would actually demean her character, not legalism, you understand? Not legalism, but if it's something that would make her appear cheap when she's not, he would say, baby, let's not, no. Because he loves her. Dad's not been there. She, she doesn't know what does it mean to be a woman? What does it mean to be a woman of God? What does it mean to interact with men? And so often what can happen in the life of a lady is she she can not be uh, taught by her father and she can believe what a man tells her. Now, most of us who are adults know that there is power of a man man's words over a woman, right? And if a woman's not been guided by her father, she can fall into the trap of believing what a guy says. And often guys say certain things to get certain things. Are we communicating? Or it can be to where she says, my father's not been there. And I am still to this day deeply hurt from that. So what I'm going to do is I'm not going to trust guys at all. Even a godly man because he could still do what my dad has done. Well, in that case, a young lady will will almost uh, surround herself with insecurity so that she'll never be able to have a godly relationship. And God will never be able to use that godly man that he provides for her to marry to help heal some of the wounds of the past. And then some ladies can react, and, and some of you may think this is funny, but they don't turn into a soccer mom. They turn into a gladiator mom that is so mean and so callous that she could make a Marine cry. 
Just a woman that turns against the world, turns against men, and says, I have been abused, I have been misused. So my reaction, my self-protection is to push everyone away. An absent fatherhood, a practical orphan for guys, could result in, if you're a young man and you've been raised probably primarily by your mom, and you say, well, I know I'm, I'm not that, I'm not, I'm not a woman, I'm a man, I want to be a man, and instead of understanding what God's word says about manhood, the guy will adopt a Mad Max type of angry punk, I'm angry at the world, I'm bad to the bone mentality, and like a turtle with a shell, he'll surround himself by insecurity, trying to be so strong that no one will think that he's weak. And then there can be the reaction by a young man to say, you know what, I've been hurt by my dad not being there, so my dad is male, And this cuts right to the heart of our culture. My dad is male, and he has not been there. My mother has. Therefore, I will reject my dad and his maleness, and the guy will adopt a personality type that will be effeminate, and he rejects the very thing that he thinks caused him pain, which is male dominance, male leadership, or lack thereof. And it goes like this. Dad hasn't been there for me. Mom has. Dad is a guy, therefore I don't want to be a cause of pain to people, therefore I will try to reject things associated with guyness. And so we have ladies today who desperately desire the relationship with a father that's never been. We have young men who don't know what it means to be a man because dad is either absent physically or emotionally. Something that we need to look at when Jesus speaks to us about orphans, is the background for that. Let me give you several texts of what God's response to orphans is. Psalm chapter 10 and verse 14. The Bible tells us that God promises to help orphans. The Bible says, you have been the helper of the fatherless. That means when you need help, if you cry to God, God promises to help. There's a great scholar at Liberty University. Her name is Mary Beth Baggett. And she wrote this, when the scripture speaks of God as father, it is not affirming his maleness or some sort of culturally established patriarchy, but it is affirming his character. It is affirming, please don't miss this, this is awesome. It is affirming that he has not abandoned the children he has created. He has not walked away from us. You see, a checkout walkout dad will say, I had fun in the baby making process, but that's not mine. And the only way that I'll be involved is if you get the law to get me to pay child support. That's not mine. I'm not going to be involved in that. And that's where God steps in and he says, that's mine. What men have rejected, the grace of God is more. Now we know that suffering doesn't give us a free pass to heaven. But if you've gone through suffering in terms of an absent father, that suffering can unbolt your the door to your heart to God's special grace. You see, God is the ultimate father. God is the father of orphans, Psalm 68, 5. God is the father of the fatherless and the protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. Also in Hosea in the Old Testament, chapter 14, verse 3, the Bible says, in you the orphan finds mercy. God gives mercy to orphans. And listen, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, if you read your Bible and you say, God, I want to be used by you. I don't know everything, but I want, I want to do something great for you. Here's how you get filled up with joy. You say, God, what are you passionate about? What do you care about? If you start investing your lives in the lives 
of practical orphans in your community, you will be so filled with joy you won't know how to contain yourself. Remember time and time again where the Bible says that Jesus was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. That doesn't mean that he saw a sappy commercial on TV and he gave a few bucks. It meant that he was moved to action. And what does a father do? A father provides. A father protects. God defends orphans. Psalm chapter 82 and verse 3. The Bible says, Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and needy and deliver them from the hand of the wicked. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, the Bible says, Wash yourselves and make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds before my eyes and cease to do evil. Learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression. Here's the point. Bring justice to the fatherless and plead the widow's cause. If there is a way that God provides for you, and it all begins with the heart change. Amen, church? It always begins with the heart change. To say, I want to do something about what's happening in our culture. I don't just want to sit down and watch the talking heads on conservative or liberal or moderate, if there is such a thing, cable television shows about how they're just griping about how the way our country is going. But I want to be God's light in my community. If there is a way, ladies, that you can invest in the lives of girls, whether it's working with, I mean, the, the possibilities are endless. Or if it's a guy, if it means going to the YMCA and starting a relationship, a friendship with some of these young guys and being, being an example of Christ to them. There are people who are crying out for that today because God has created us with a desire to have a relationship with a father say well how do we beat this cycle number one we need to not sugarcoat what we've been born into there's a lot of people who will say you know what i was born into a situation to where dad had checked out but it's 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 okay it's all right i'm good i'm good no no the way that we are healed is through God's grace, and God's grace always follows honesty. If we say that we've not been wounded when we really are, it's like kind of walking into the emergency room, and we just, I mean, we're cut open, and or maybe it was from a softball injury. We had one of the most violent things that ever happened in softball a few weeks ago on our men's softball team. We had a a man running to first on the other team and our first baseman went for the ball, missed the ball. Our second baseman got the ball and decided to try to beat the runner to first base. Neither man backed down. Their man outweighed ours by about 80 pounds. And it was a collision that if you like ultimate fighting, I mean, I was about to have a worship service. I mean, they hit so hard, they both went flying. And you know what? I'm I'm ashamed to admit this, Fred, as pastor. You know what I did? I went, yeah, baby! It was awesome, man. It was like NFL with no pads. I was like, wait, differential, no. Our guy will take you out. Come to Rocky Mount Baptist Church on Sunday. God loves you. And then Paul Ware, mature man of God that he is, says, is he okay? I'm like, oh, shoot. Oh, and they're like totally laid out on the ground. And so we went over and prayed and I repented for being immature afterwards. But when we think of, of those things of what, man, what it means to just say, you know, I don't care. I don't care if I'm going to end up with a broken hip and a 
in a softball game. I'm willing to take that chance. I'm willing to get out there. I'm willing to invest. I'm willing to put myself on the line. It has to follow honesty and us coming to the place to say, you know what? I I love my father. And there's some people who will be straight up. They're like, bro, I hate my dad. I'm not going to tell you the specific language, but there's a young man that I know not too long ago on social media. He put out with some very flowery language. I blankety blank hate my blanking blankety blank dad. What do you do? Send him a private message. Say, let's let's talk. Because obviously all is not well. But if we could be honest, if your dad has totally checked out on you, unless God's grace has come in your heart, in other words, let me just be honest, unless you've been really saved, not join a church, not been sprinkled, not walked down an aisle, but unless you've come to that place where God has broken your heart of your own sin, not your dad's, this applies to women and men, and you've been saved and he has, he has begun to develop grace in your life, there will be no healing. So breaking the cycle of, of absent fatherhood means saying, you know what? I need to be honest about what it actually is. Acts 16 verse 1, there's a young man named Timothy who had a lost dad. His dad was a Greek, was a pagan, probably involved in immorality of all sorts. His mom loved Jesus. And this is, this is kind of crazy right here. Like this is in the Bible, right? Um, it says that there's, uh, a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. Meaning like if you're working with Jewish people, you already have the same ethnicity. And if you're working with Jewish people who know Jesus, they're like, dude, you're Jewish and you love Jesus. High five. But this is in the Bible. But his father was a Greek. Hearing comments like, what are you? The Greeks are like, dude, you're half Jew. And the Jews who didn't know Jesus are like, You're half Greek. You're half pagan. And so what it must have been like to grow up with only a godly mother. He had a godly grandmother, but not to have that male leadership. Here's the beautiful part of Timothy that will be many other sermons. And I know you guys have to get to lunch by 2.30. So we'll try to not preach all of those right now. Timothy didn't have a godly father figure. But what he did... This is ladies and guys, if your dad's checked out. What he did is he yielded to the grace of God and God brought Paul to mentor him. And not only that, he brought Paul to be a spiritual father to this young man who didn't have a real father. And he brought him with other believers. So here's the thing. If dad is checked out, that's where God walks in. And often the way that God walks in is he brings men and women who love Jesus to come walk alongside you. So you're like, dude, I don't know how to lead my family. I mean, what do I do? We're getting ready to eat takeout that we just brought home. And I'm like, we've never prayed before. Do I just start, oh God. And the kids are like, what happened? Like what happened to dad? Or do we just start reading in Leviticus? Like there's, there are men and women who can come alongside you to say, here's how you lead your family to love Jesus. So we refuse to sugarcoat the past. We call it for what it is. We call sin, sin, even if it's what our mom or dad has done to us. Secondly, we reject revenge and bitterness. Notice here in this passage that we read to start this message, the book in, that Jesus is speaking of them as orphans. He's speaking of God as their father and he's the savior. In other words, when Jesus comes into your life, do you know who the biggest sinner appears as in that moment? 
It's not, it's not the dad who checked out on us. It's not the dad who was there, but who was verbally, mentally, emotionally, even physically abusive. When we come to the place to where we get saved, it's like all of that fades away. And we come to that place to say, you know what? It's my sin that put Jesus on the cross. And we repent and we turn to Christ and he begins to heal us. And in that moment, Jesus has taken our sin. We understand that. And it gives us the ability to reject revenge and bitterness. Do you remember those verses uh, in Matthew 5? That we love to obey like every single day. Let me just give you Matthew 5, uh, 43 and 44. Uh, Jesus says, you have heard it's been said, you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. We like that, don't we? Come on. We, we, we're fans of that. Love the people who love you and hate the people who hate you. But Jesus says, what I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Wow! So according to Jesus, the way that we come to allow God's grace to so change our hearts so we don't have to be like dad was or is, is we say, God, I'm going to pray for my walk away dad. I'm going to pray for him. What's the best thing you can do? You're like, but Jeff, he's a, he's, he's not a good guy. I mean, he's a, he's a dirt bag. What, look what he did to my mom. Look at what he's, he's done to us. Do you know, this, this, is, this is like one of those oxymoron type of things in a way. The greatest thing that you can do for your walkaway dad is pray that he gets saved. Because that's the greatest way and really the only way that your walkaway dad will ever change. And in doing that, in praying for him, you're letting all that bitterness bleed out of you. All of that stuff that honestly may be affecting your marriage even right now. All that stuff that you haven't allowed God to deal with. So when all of that stuff is bleeding away and God is answering those prayers, hearing those prayers, softening your dad's heart to the gospel, it's killing multiple birds with one stone. And the stone is what Jesus said, if you love me, verse 15, John 14, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Once again, Jeff, how do you be a godly father if you've never seen it done before? I mean, do I just go to YouTube and like type in, you know, how to be a godly father? Here's what you do. Final point is you receive, you open yourself to the mentors and the protectors that God sends to you. Notice that Jesus in this passage is saying that he's going to send his spirit. He's going to send the Holy Spirit. That means that when you get saved, God's Spirit indwells you. He gives you wisdom. He gives you the ability to deal with difficult people and not end up in jail. Are you okay? He gives you the ability to walk in holiness and wisdom and in truth. You receive what God has sent to you. If you want to make a note in your notes, in 2 Kings chapter 12... There is a young man named Jehoash and his whole family had been killed by what we could call maybe like some crazy psycho Xena warrior princess witch king that had gone really, really bad. She slaughtered his family, but he was kept safe by a godly priest named Jehoiada. And in Second Kings chapter 12 verse 2, the Bible says, And Jehoash, the young king, a child who had been saved from the slaughter, did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all his days because... Jehoiada the priest instructed him. Here's the beautiful thing. 
with Timothy, who had no godly father figure. God brought the apostle Paul. Now, God may not bring the apostle Paul to you, but what a cool thing it will be if you say, I don't know what it means to be a godly dad. I don't know what it means to have a relationship, if you're a young lady, to have a relationship with my father. But in the thing that God established called the church, not the building, but the people, he will surround you with people who will speak truth into your life and who will do battle with you when you come across a time of physical illness and you need people to pray for you when it gets very difficult, when you're struggling with your own sin. Hey, we say, can we be honest a lot? But can we be honest? Sometimes the biggest pain in our rear end can be our own stupid mistakes. And we're able to do life with other people. There's one of my buddies who's an awesome, awesome uh, musician, worship pastor at a church in Alabama. And he was actually born with a heart defect because his uh, mom had drank all the way through uh, her pregnancy, never knew his biological mom, never knew his biological dad. It's a rough go, right? I, eyesight deteriorating because was, he wasn't able to properly develop in the room. She was just knocking back heavy on, on alcohol. And he's born and he's got these issues. And then he was adopted. And the family that adopted him, the dad had totally checked out. And not only that, there was divorce in that family. And his mom married a guy who was in the KKK. And so you look at that life and you're like, dude, what else could go wrong? Like it's one thing to be born with physical limitations. It's another thing to be born where you don't know who your biological mom and dad are. But then to be adopted by a jacked up family who gets more jacked up? Like, Jeff, did you meet him in prison? It's a beautiful story because my friend, through godly men who saw a tall, awkward, skinny kid in high school who wore his hair long and who liked to rock out to the point of headaches. Some of you, you like that too. Come on. They said, I'm going to invest in that young man. He had youth ministers. He had people in that youth group who used music as an outreach. And today he's serving Jesus and he has two beautiful children of his own. And the coolest part of that story is the girl that he married, her dad is a, I mean, just a godly, godly man. He is stable. He reads his Bible. He serves in his church. And it's like my buddy and his father-in-law. He calls his father-in-law, three-letter word, dad. I was in South Carolina. There was a young man in, in the youth group. And this kid, um, when we, we dropped him off, there was one time in particular when I dropped him off. And uh, there was actually a drug dealer going to provide drugs to his mom and the live-in boyfriend who was there. Had been totally, I mean, you talk about a family situation. He had, it had been uh, mixed up, jacked up, twisted up. And there were older men. Older guys, please don't, please don't let Satan tell you because you're senior or because your hair is gray, it's turned gray, or for some of you it may, it may have already turned loose, right? And it's, it's going the way of the buffalo and you think, man, I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand the way they dress, I don't understand their music, I don't understand like any of that stuff, but don't ever discount that, because here's the thing, like old school men who like the most, these guys, would rock out as like a really fast Bill Gaither song, you know, and I mean they were just about that head banging. That was that was that was the extent of the musical overlap. But this young man was very talented um, with music and they invested in him. 
came from a dirt poor family and amazingly uh, talented with music. Do you know what one of the older people in the church did? They paid for him to actually have piano lessons. And here's a kid kid who, um, when I dropped him off, just being honest, would go into uh, a single trailer to where his mom and the live-in boyfriend would be using, this is not a joke, would be using straight-up crack. Snort it, smoke it. And he goes into that after coming home from the youth group, hearing about how Jesus is a mighty Savior. And you know where that young man is today? He's serving in a church to the glory of God because he opened his heart and received the protectors and the mentors that God sent to him. And those of you that enjoy history, you know that Julius Caesar is probably one of the greatest generals, they say, in military history. And when they were doing their invasion of what is modern-day France, they called it Gaul, there was a, a leader, and if you're looking for uh, something to name your son, for those of you that may be expecting, his name was Vercingetorix. It took me like three weeks, Jonathan, to get that one down. Vercingetorix. And, and he was leading this opposition to the Romans, who were basically stormtroopers in that period in time. No one could, uh, could stand against the Roman order, against the Roman discipline, against the Roman armor. Military tactics. And there was one battle in particular where Vercingetorix leading his men. They were simply just like scattered groups of tribes. It was, it was a battle that took place against the walls of the city. And the men, the Gaul, the Gaul men went out of the gates of the city and fought to keep the Romans out. And it was the only decisive victory throughout that whole war of Vercingetorix and his men. And one historian that I read said the reason for that victory, many historians believe, is because the women of the city came on the walls and they got their infant children and just held them up and held them up and screamed things about family, family, your child, your son, would would yell their husband's name and say, your son, your daughter. If there was a respite in the battle, the, 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 the man was literally fighting for his family, could look back and see his child and see his wife. And he knew that if I fail, my family fails. Therefore, I cannot fail. And even though they weren't equipped with the Roman military might, even though they didn't have the training, they were just backwoods tribes coming to defend their country from industrialized, we could say, spoilers. They won the battle because they understood that they were fighting for their families. Guys, there is a correlation to that, but not fully. Because you're not just fighting this battle of what it means to be a father in your own strength. God has not just said, go out, be a man of God. He has called you to be a man of God with other men of God. And ladies, if you say, Jeff, this message has missed me because my husband has checked out and I want my sons and daughters to be around godly men, you pray for that dad that has checked out. But one of the most beneficial things you can do for your children until God does something in that checkout, walkout dad's heart is you allow your children to be amongst men and women of God here in the church of God for the glory of God and they'll see even in our youth Sunday school class and Paul and Stephanie we love y'all for teaching that we see Stephanie supporting Paul but Paul's taking the lead to teach telling the boys you take leadership you treat your wife well and Jesus has promised us Brothers and sisters will fight along with you. They will be with you. They will support you. They will be before you on all sides. But 
above everything else. I, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. That is a promise from the word of God. 